You're listening to the Work Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo, and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome to Work Life Flow episode number seven, how to listen to and interpret your somatic state with Kristen Boyle. In today's episode, we take a deep dive into self-care and self-awareness. We talk about why moms find it difficult to justify self-care and how it really is a sign of valuing yourself. Kristen shares her expertise on how to listen to and interpret your body signals through guided meditation in order to let go of trauma and be living in the present moment. She also walks us through how to find purpose in the smaller, menial tasks of life by looking at the bigger picture. Kristen is a yoga therapist and somatic coach. First and foremost, she sees herself as a visionary and healer, facilitating your connection to self and transformation through guided embodied meditation and intentional dialogue. Kristen is a single mom of a teen and tween and an entrepreneur. Her life's work is dedicated to the study of yogic philosophy as it applies to modern day life and supports our own self-knowledge, growth and transformation. And with this, let's welcome Kristen Boyle. Thanks, Kristen, for having me. Thanks for coming on. Let's dive in. I'm really curious to learn more about your guided embodied meditation and intentional dialogue. So when I work with moms, the biggest step to them not finding a work-life integration is that they don't really feel like they need to ask or they need to step out of the comfort zone and show up for themselves. So I was wondering, how do you work with your clients in that sense? Yeah, and it's great that you asked that question because I was just working with a mom this afternoon. And so I have a really good example of how I work with the embodiment I've been a yoga teacher for many years, so of course I can teach you a yoga pose, but it's more than just what's happening in the warrior two. It's really diving into what sensations are you feeling in that pose and bringing out some of the language used to describe those sensations. For example, this mom I was working with this afternoon, she was in a pose and noticed a whole lot of tension in her shoulders and restriction and constriction. And she just used these words and then she came up and to a seat and said, oh, it just feels so heavy. And then I brought her into a shape where she was actually leaning against me. So I was support for her. And she talked about how, wow, I feel like my shoulders can just release into you, you know, and I feel supported. And so looking at that language, like the constriction, the restriction, the heavy versus the other pose where she felt supported and release. And also what came up was peace and calm. So then I had her stand up and do some other exercises or some other shapes with her body. And she noticed that her legs just felt like they, they weren't doing the work. And so as we played with this, like what's happening in the shoulders, what happens when you release the shoulders? And then what happens when you bring the awareness into the strong muscles of the body, into the legs? We got to this point of like, what part of you is trying to hold you up that's actually not made for that? And then what part of you is made to do the heavy lifting, right? And so when we talk about moms, you know, where are we ever overextending ourselves into areas where 
it's not necessarily what we need to be working on, or maybe it's not necessarily ours to work on. Maybe there's somebody else that could do that heavy lifting, or maybe there's a part of us that needs to do that heavy lifting. And then also that concept of support, where can we find that support or even invite our own selves into support so that we can release, so we can find that. Obviously, I work with the body. And so, you know, usually there's a visual that goes along, but I hope that whoever's listening is able to kind of track what I was talking about going through the body and feeling, you know, our shoulders are often trying to lift us up and hold us up, especially when we're tense. And that's not the part of the body that does that. It's the legs. And so can we bring the awareness into the legs? Oh, now I have a different, different sensation and a different way to, I'll use air quotes, to be in my body and in the situation as it is. So you're also talking about support, which I don't know, for me, it comes up, do your clients, do they come out of their body and ask for support when they work with you? Like, do you dive deeper into what support they would need or what they're holding on to or what is pressing them down or holding them back? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that all comes into what I call the integration of the session. First, we're just feeling what's happening in the body. And so we, as a As a culture, as a society, I feel like we live so much in our minds and our thoughts, and we're constantly trying to figure out and fix and even judge and criticize. And sometimes that's not the work to be done. And so can we drop, literally drop below the level of the mind into the body and start to feel what's happening in the moment? And then without trying to figure it out or reason, You know, like I don't need to know why it's there. I just need to know it's there. Then I can start to work through it from a different level of knowing than what the intellect, because the intellect can get muddled with all the shoulds and I need to, and I have to. And then we go down this spiral of self-judgment and criticism, and that's not going to help us solve the problem at hand, right? That's just our old story that we've told about ourselves. So we're trying to move deeper than the story. And then... I think what you were getting at maybe was like, where do I need support in my life and where can I get support in my life? That kind of thing. And yeah, that can absolutely come out in the session. It all depends on, on how things show up and how we work. So that's the intentional dialogue. We really work with what's present right now. And then as we're in poses, yeah, sometimes clients have asked me for support. Hey, can you support me here? And for this particular client, she was seated on the ground. And I just leaned her back into me. I was standing and I leaned her back towards my legs. So I had lots of support for myself, but she could actually give me her full body weight and just almost relax into me. So without telling her, I'm giving you support, she felt that shape and the concept of support came up for her. I can see that that can be really helpful when you're super overwhelmed and Being able to let go in a safe place, I think this is a really, really great space that you create there. I trained in yoga after having had my second kid. And it was an interesting story because I never thought, I mean, I'm not a very flexible person. I'm not one of those extremely spiritual people. But that space, it was just what I needed, I think, to heal from the birthing, from everything that motherhood needed me to be 
it was the first time that I was away from my second baby, actually, for a whole day. It was a couple of weekends. So it was an interesting time for me because it was the first time away, but it was also something that I really needed. And it was the first time that I dove deep into self-care. I think it was more of a journey for myself, finding myself again and taking care of myself for the first time after having had the two kids. I think yoga is such a special place and such a special practice that you can have. Whenever I'm overwhelmed, I come back to it. I'm not an extremely regular practitioner, but I know that I feel better when I come back to it. So I truly believe that this combination of mind-body, it is so essential that we connect back to it. And if we think about the pandemic at the moment, I think yoga is what has helped me get through it with the resilience that I've mastered. Yeah, I love that. And I can completely relate. I did my yoga teacher training when my daughter was one year old. And so it was between my two children. And I actually first focused on prenatal and then postnatal yoga. So that was that was kind of my beginning. And then I recognized very quickly that there was so much more than just going and getting a workout and doing some poses if you brought that piece of mindfulness to it. I kind of language what I do as somatic coaching because I am coaching you or teaching you, showing you how to attune to your body more, you know, and and your body being soma, you know, getting into the somatics. Because when I talk about being a yoga therapist, people get kind of muddied and and like, oh yeah, I, I practice yoga in this studio and then my response is usually, well, if you're working with me, you may or may not do a yoga pose. You know, it's different than that. And all we're looking for is for you to be able to tune to sensation. And I think that in itself is relieving. And maybe that's what you experienced too when you were in your teacher training and just really getting that time to focus on your own self. Yes, absolutely. And then for me, also the the revelation that I needed to take care of myself more, that it's okay to be away. My kids, they were not by themselves. My husband was with them. And so, you know, they were in a safe place. I could totally let go there and be myself, have, as usual in yoga, I think you always have very deep conversations. You open up with your deepest problems and things that worry you. When I talk about work-life flow, it's you, your family or relationships and your work and how to integrate them. And you have to work on all three to make, you know, within the three, you have to do some work, but then also you kind of try to integrate the three of them. But I always start out with yourself. And I find it so difficult to convince some of the moms to actually take the time and invest in their health, in their self-care. The responses I usually get is like, I don't have time for that. I don't, you know, I think what I want to say is that sometimes my clients are very disconnected from like what you do somatically, like they're very disconnected from their body and what they need mentally. And so I just love the idea that you bring those two together. Mm -hmm. Do you have these oppositions? Like, do you have moms or I don't know if mostly you work with moms? But do your clients have these self-doubts of, I don't want to spend money on myself, or I don't want to take the time? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think moms particularly struggle with it. And this is where 
my study of yoga philosophy and the spirituality of yoga comes into play because yoga really is, I mean, some people refer to it about as self-realization or self-actualization. The key word there is self. You are learning who you actually are. And it's not selfish, although I would say that many people need to become a little bit more selfish. You know, other people need to become more selfless, but it's really about attuning to your your own self, that deeper self, and valuing yourself first and foremost. And, and if you value yourself, then making an investment in yourself becomes more, just becomes more like, oh yeah, of course I would invest in myself because we invest in things that are valuable, right? And so whether that's a chunk of money or a chunk of time, Either way, it's an investment in something that you value first and foremost. And then, you know, self-care, I'm sure that you talk to to your moms about this too, is that self-care can happen in just one moment, one instant, one breath. But it takes a long time of peeling back the layers to feel like that one instant or that one breath can connect you to yourself. And so that is kind of the heart of what I'm doing when I work with my clients is is getting them to that sense that, oh, it really doesn't take all that work, effort, time. It's just this one breath. But you have to first value yourself, make investments in yourself before you get to a point where that's just the way that you are. That's just your habit and your way of being. I think there is a lot of talk about only if you care for yourself. You can actually care for others, right? You have to have your cup filled to be able to give. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think we just need to hold that me first kind of attitude in a way. It's it's really, okay, I've got to make dinner. Before I make dinner, I have to do the dishes. And, oh, yes, there's the laundry that's still laying on my bed. And I'm sharing a very real situation as I look around my home. Where do I find me first before I embark on all of those tasks? Or where do I find myself while I'm doing those tasks? That's where you find the value, I think. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the work-life integration, you are an entrepreneur, you are a mom of two, and I think you're a single mom, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Yes. How do you make it work? How did you find an integration that works for you? Well, I, I have to say that I'm incredibly lucky because... Yoga has been my through thread through everything. My, I started when my children were you know, young and not born yet. And I've been practicing and teaching and studying for many years. So it's not only my place of study, it's my physical activity, it's my spirituality, and it's my work. So I already have a integration of work life simply because I live my work and I work my life. But You know, not everybody has that in their life and not everybody has that opportunity. And that comes down to what I think is that word dharma. I'm not sure if all your listeners know what that is, but it's a word that's commonly used in yoga. So dharma is loosely talked about as your life's purpose. But more than that, so there's a big overarching life purpose More than that, though, it's what is enjoined upon you to do in this moment. And so when we can see purpose in whatever we're doing in each moment, then I feel like we begin to integrate that work-life flow, as you call it. And 
dharma, so what is enjoined upon me to do in this moment might be cooking dinner, right? But if I don't cook dinner, then I'm not doing my purpose in the order of my home. And then sometimes it's about working and it may be a job that you love. It may not be a job that you love, but if it's a job that you don't love and it pays the bills and you need to stay in it, then at the moment, that's your dharma, right? And so as when we can elevate whatever it is that we're actively doing in life into, okay, this is my purpose in the order of things, whether it's your family or a greater community or the universe, you know, however far you want to expand it, then we elevate that task, however mundane it is, or however much you don't like doing it into something that's purposeful. And that gives meaning. And now we're starting to integrate that into life. Because at the bottom of it all, we still need garbage collectors, and we need street sweepers, and we need cooks, and we need all these things to make life work as it is. So I think that all of us can find a purpose in what we do, but it's not always easy to do that. That's part of the practice. What would you tell your clients if they're not, like you said, even if you're working a job that you don't really love, but you say it's their dharma, is there any way for them to reframe or to find a different dharma or should they just stay in that job, for example? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, that question is is always part of it is, You know, can I leave my job and follow my dream? And I think it's it comes down to getting really clear on what your dream is. And does your job give you a stepping stone towards that? It may or it might not. However, if your family needs you to work the job that you don't love because you've got to pay the bills and put food on the table, then there's purpose in that. You know, it may not be finding purpose in your job, But you are finding purpose in providing for your family in the way that you need to, right? Or in the way that's needed at the moment. And, and then the knowledge that things also can change. So that dream that you have, see how you can start to take the first step towards it. And maybe it's just writing it down, you know, just saying, I want to own a beauty salon, you know, maybe you haven't gone to school for that at all, but you can actually write that down and then start to lay out the foundation of what do I need to get there? You know, right now I'm a server in a restaurant, but I want to own a beauty salon, <laughs> you know, start envisioning what it looks like. So it, it's not that you're locked into this miserable life, but I think it is finding purpose within each moment. And that makes, makes life more purposeful where you feel a little bit more integrated and a little bit more fuller with, your situation as it is. Yeah, I can see how it is more purposeful and it also can make you feel better about doing some of the chores that you're not liking, for example, because like you say, if you elevate it towards, well, this is what I need to do for my family right now, I can see that. How about your kids? Do they play a part in your work-life integration? Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. And I always, I always get afraid of this question because... My kids don't do yoga. They tell me they don't like yoga. And I almost feel like that's the crux of being kids of a, of a yogi. <laughs> But um, one of the reasons why I've continued on this path, especially so I was married and got divorced, and I really questioned whether I should go back to corporate life, which is what I did before having children. 
And I just kept coming back to have patience, have patience, because I had purpose in the yoga studios with my students and my clients that I was teaching, but also following the path of teaching yoga has enabled me to have a more flexible schedule so I could work around my kids' schedule and activities and things like that and not feel the stress that many moms feel. So really what it started with was, okay, I've been doing this part-time for a while. Now how do I make this my business, you know, my full-time? And that's where the yoga therapy and, and deeper study and deeper work came into play. The question about the kids came because, like I said, the three-part system that I use is you, your family, and work. So the part of family, for me, for example, a lot of the overwhelm as a mom comes from having to do it all. You know, the household. We're talking about working moms here, so everybody has work. But on top of it, it's the household, uh, keeping the kids alive, <laughs> fed mm -hmm. and alive, right? Right, right. <laughs> for me, it becomes important to integrate the family and to actually view them as a team so that they help everywhere that they feel. Because I think it's not only helping the mom to not have to do another job, which is the household, for example, or the cooking or whatever, but it kind of brings the relationships. They're tighter in families where they help together, where they work as a team. It brings more fulfillment, although a lot of kids will, of course, complain, but in the end, they feel needed and they feel better about being part of the family if they help. So the question about your kids was kind of like, especially since you are a single mom, you probably could need a lot of help. Oh, yeah. I often ask my children to do the dishes, take the trash out, you know, do all the things. Yeah. So I think exactly what you're saying is, is about integrating the kids into the household chores and the day-to-day -day things that are needing to be done. And so You know, there are, of course, I have a teen and a tween now, so they're not like eager to help mommy anymore. <laughs> it's, it's more like, really, do I need to do that? And so, so the conversations get a little bit more challenging, but in the end, you know, I remind them, I can't do my part until this other part is done and you can help me do this part. So I keep going back to the example of making dinner because that's really what's the next step for me this evening. But getting their help, especially because they're home from school right now. So we have a lot of dishes. So getting their help to clean up the space so that then I can step in and make dinner or having them actually cook a meal. My son loves to make tacos lately. It's like his, his thing and he's very proud of everything. And so really getting him involved in that. Following their interests, I think is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Are your kids remote schooling at the moment? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So is it the first time that you're actually spending more time with them again during the day? And have you noticed how your relationship has changed or has been impacted through it? Yeah, yeah. My daughter lives with me full time and my son is only half time. And she's my daughter is the teenager. And, and sometimes our relationship is a little strained because we see each other every day. But the other thing that I noticed is because of her age, she doesn't need me to help her with the online stuff. So it's a different situation if you've got younger children. But what I notice is she's online all day long and I have meetings or clients, but then I have breaks in between. So I'll pop in to check on her. And that's almost an interruption in her work, right? So I've had to watch that. 
And yet I think that because she's here all the time, I feel like, you know, oh, I need to be doing something for her. Right. So it's that mom instinct popping in and, and she actually doesn't need anything. She just needs to be left alone so she can attend school. <laughs> right. And, and it's kind of the same with my son. I was joking that, of course, the first day of online school, I'm the one that walks in and starts talking to him right in the middle of, of a lecture. And then the teacher, of course, calls on him and he hadn't been paying attention because I was talking to him. I'm like, oh, I'm the interruption now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it really is observing myself in this situation and, and where my mom instincts are actually intruding with what my children need to be doing. But it, like I said, that's a very different situation from having younger children where they actually need you to be involved. Yeah, my kids are a little younger and we actually homeschooled. So we, we homeschooled last year already. So it is a very different dynamic. But what I noticed is that a lot of families now, they kind of rediscovered their relationships because they're spending more time together. And I think it's a great opportunity to get to know your kids better and they get to know you better. And, you know, it's kind of for them too. For them, it was so separate. They were like isolated in school and then they would come home and you would not be working. And now, now they see us work. And I think it's just a tremendous, not privilege, but I think it's really great for them to see us work and learn and sometimes having to do difficult things and struggle. And when you share that for them, I think it becomes so much more obvious that sometimes you have to push through harder things and I think they learn a lot by observing what we do, for example, and, and now with us having to be together more time. I think there's a lot of learning happening that's very valuable and that's not necessarily school subject related. Yeah, yeah. And just what you said is that they learn through observing us. And so how are we handling the pandemic and all the changes that are happening in our lives or you know, our children are observing that. So the more grace and ease we can give ourselves, compassion even. I think that's what our children will learn, is compassion from themselves. When I taught prenatal, one of my favorite endings for my class was, you're doing your best because why would you do anything less? And I think with that, we can give ourselves a little bit of compassion because sometimes, you know, even our best, it doesn't feel like enough, but we're still doing our best. Because why would we do less than that? Absolutely. So for, if we model that compassion for ourselves, I think our children will start to learn that as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. That brings me to another question. And that would be, because you're guiding people in yoga and a lot of yoga classes, when I taught, it's not about so much about the poses. A lot of times it is actually about the intentions you help them set or the closing, like you were talking about the closing of your prenatal classes right now. And I think a lot of people are drawn to yoga because it's a safe space. And sometimes I think they have trouble envisioning or coming up with those intentions. And so they really like to be guided and have somebody remind them of like you are enough, you do enough, you have enough, right? For example. So what would you say or what advice do you have for people who feel stuck with where they are and they want or need to move forward? When I work with, with my clients, we play with that feeling of stuckness. Like where do you feel stuck and what's not moving forward and what's holding you back? 
but a lot of it comes with just getting present, you know, in this moment, because the truth is we only live in the present. We don't live in the future. We don't live in the past. And so feeling stuck usually has something to do with not being in the future projection where we want to be. Right. And, and the truth is you're actually just right here. And so if you can bring the mind into the body, then you bring the mind into present moment focus. And that's where you can start to see, okay, I'm not really stuck. I just have this one step to do in front of me. And you can start to take that step. Okay, now what's the next step and what's the next step? So I feel like it's really getting present, getting out of the head that carries you forward into the future and back into the past. And and it's really hard to keep the mind here. And so we're trying to keep the mind here. And that's where liberation actually lives is in the present moment. Well, for one, I think with through the pandemic, a lot of people had to slow down a little bit and actually confront themselves with the present moment more because in our busyness, we are just running the hamster wheel and on, on autopilot and just doing, 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 doing without really getting present and sometimes thinking about why we do things. I think this pandemic, honestly, is a huge opportunity for growth for everybody. The last question I really have for you is, where can people find you? And I think you have a program coming up. So if you would like to share more about that, how can people find you? My website is embodiedliving.academy. So the whole concept that I play with is embodied living. So you can find me at my website. If you're a single mom, I have a Facebook group called Single Moms Thrive. And Instagram, it's called Single Mom Professionals, because I primarily work with moms who feel like they're professionals rather than the ones who are managing the home. So all of those are great places to link up with me. I've got links there to schedule. I'll do a just a free, no pressure call just to connect and see what's going on. I'm happy to do that as many times as possible. And then the program that I'm just getting ready to launch is more of a intense somatic coaching. It's going to be eight weeks and it's called Blueprint to Thrive. And really what I want to teach you are the tools so that you can continue to apply these over and over and over when difficult situations arise. Because I truly believe as a, as a healer and a therapist, like eventually you should not need me. You know, I'm here for for little check-ins, but I really want you to be able to learn this stuff so that you can thrive, so that you can live live better. And this is really what I live by. So yeah, we go through different stages through that program, embodied mindfulness, and then we examine what toxicity is in your life, your relationships, the environment that you live in, and where can we make some choices around those. Self-love, of course, and then finding flow. That sounds so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just so badly want to teach others these skills because they are what carry me through, you know, and keep me thriving, <laughs> even when things get hard. And to be honest, things do get really hard, you know. And I have, I have really difficult days still. Um, I've been through trauma and emotional abuse, and so there's there's a lot that can come up. So mm-hmm. I do believe. I think every coach and therapist has a system that works and so this one is what works for me i'm so happy that you're bringing this to other people now thank you for sharing 
this with my audience and I link to everything in the show notes. So they know where to find you. Thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work Life Flow. As always, you can find all the links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the 10 easy screen-free hacks to keep your kids entertained while you work so you can love your work and feel great about what your kids are doing at www.kerstinkirchsteiger.com And remember, keep being brave and share your story.